Hey everybody, welcome back to the eighth episode of the Spotted Two Wide Banana College Football Podcast presented by Never Settle Sports. I'm your host, Gabe Hooven, and alongside with me is Patrick O'Donnell. How are you doing today, Patrick? I'm doing very well. How about yourself? Doing pretty good, man. Just woke up from like a really good nap and I hate to wake up and do a podcast, man. And it's like living the kid's dream, man, because, you know, we want to do this for a long time. And so it's just good. Got re energized and, you know, ready to go because this is a huge week, man. Yes, sir. We're heading into rivalry week. So, uh, what are you doing for Thanksgiving? I'm going back to Orlando and then um, I'm going to my Aunt Cindy's house, I think, for the day. And knowing my family will probably show up pretty late, but I'm excited to watch some football because there's nothing better than NFL football on Thanksgiving. And then, um, and actually, there's some college football too, including the Egg Bowl. And uh, yeah, so I'm going over there that day. And then I think I'm coming back up to Gainesville Friday evening sometime because I'm going to go to the Florida Florida State game. How about you? Um, yeah, I'm going to Orlando, and I know we were going to hang out, but uh, you're busy with family and everything, and understandably makes sense. And um, on Saturday or Thursday, you know, um, if you guys just just a heads up for you guys. Uh, my fantasy team took down the best two teams, or my fantasy team took down the best two people in the league this week, and uh, the winner of our league is two grand, so, you know, I'm getting one step closer to two grand. Um, Brandon Cooks, I picked him up off waivers. Why someone released him, I have no clue, but he's, like, off of injury reserve now, so now I had Vontae Adams, T.Y. Hilton, Brandon Cooks. I have a, a stacked team talk, really, so I, I can realistically win two grand, and it's it's, like, one of the best feelings ever, so. Thanks for reminding me that, you know, with NFL football on Thursday. So, and uh, on Saturday, I might have a stroke, or I might be the happiest person in the world. We'll see. Um, but other than that, I mean, I'm excited for this next seven days. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm just thankful to be done with school for a little bit and just kind of like hanging out. Yeah, well, I'm still in school till tomorrow. So, but uh, same, without further well, same Same here. I, got, I have one class to go to, and then I'm home free. Yeah, I got a, I got four hour, four one hour and a half, or four ninety minute classes to sit in through, and it's uh, that that's honestly been the biggest change ever. You know, here's because you know I know uh, I know you know when I was at Nelson, I you know took six classes, got at one forty every day, and now this is a big change. Like uh, personally, I just think getting out of school at three twenty is just too late for whatever high school kid. Because once like two o'clock is or like high school kids, I know you can confirm this, but once two o'clock hits, like you just don't focus anymore. You're just like whatever, like you know what I mean. And it's um, yeah, I it's mean, especially because especially because it's like you're getting up so early and stuff. And oh it's yeah, kind of, it's brutal. Yeah, like I'm at school for like seven and a half hours a day, and it's just too much. Like, but then again, I do live in a state again that values education, so um, that's a pretty big deal. Like, uh, like you know, uh, Nettleton's got Monday and Tuesday off, and they're gonna have like. They are Christmas off like December 9th, and I'm not going to get out till like December 21st or something, December 19th. So, um, yeah, but without yeah. further ado, let's, uh, you know, let's start this podcast. And for you guys, I know we uh, normally come out with the playoff top 25, but we're filming this on a Monday. Um, so we will not have the playoff top 25. And so we came up with our own. It's not going to be much different. There's not, it's not going to be vast changes besides Oregon and stuff. And so we decided to come up with our own top 25. And uh, Patrick, I want to hear yours first. And uh, what do you think the committee is going to come out with this week? Yeah, I mean, just to clarify, we're going to have our own top six after this. But for right now, we're going to 
we're basically taking a guess on what the college football playoff committee is going for. Um, but I'll get into mine. I'll start at number one. I have the LSU Tigers. Uh, I mean, I think I don't think the committee is really going to change it. I don't think they're going to change much for the top five. Uh, I got one, uh, one LSU, two Ohio State, three Clemson, four Georgia, and five Alabama. I know those teams screwed up this week, but from six through like 15 is where it really gets interesting for me. Um, I think at six, you'll see Utah. Uh, I mean, they they won in blowout fashion again. Uh, Minnesota is still playing well, still a top uh, still top ten team in my opinion, and I think they'll be at number seven. At number eight, I think it's going to be the Oklahoma Sooners. I just don't know if they're going to how easy it's going to be for them to make the playoff. But uh, the two teams who lost with Penn State and Oregon or Penn State and Oregon losing, I think that makes it a little bit easier. Uh, at nine, I have the Florida Gators. Those are my boys, but I think I think if the committee is intelligent, they'll put them at nine. They've been trying to keep the Gators out of the top ten for so long now; it's ridiculous. Uh, at number ten, I have Wisconsin. Uh, this was kind of tough for me to put Wisconsin in top ten. wasn't sure if they should be ahead of Penn State, but I do have them ahead of Penn State after the the game in Columbus. I have Penn State at number eleven. And Michigan at 12. Uh, the only reason I – right now I do I do think uh, Michigan's the better team, but Penn State still has the head-to-head. I think commi- the committee will take that into effect. Um, at number 13, I have the Oregon Ducks. I thought – at first I didn't have them dropping that much, but then I really realized how badly their loss looks on their resume. So really thought they should drop 13. And – from here on out, I feel like it's pretty straightforward. At 14, I have Baylor not really moving. They did have a nice win over the Texas Longhorns, which we will discuss in a little bit. At uh, 15, I have Notre Dame. 16, Auburn. 17, Memphis. 18, Iowa. I actually flipped those two teams. I feel like Iowa didn't have a very convincing win against Illinois. And uh, Memphis is just rolling teams right now, so I feel like those teams should flip. At 19, I have Boise State, uh, and at 20, I have Cincy. Those teams actually flipped as well for me. Like I, I feel like I feel like the committee will end up favoring that uh, that Boise State team over the Cincinnati team, who has only put up 35 points combined in their last two games. So their offense is very shaky. So I feel like the committee will see that and put Boise State above Cincinnati. At 21, I have Oklahoma State. Uh, 22, Iowa State. Uh, 23, it's USC. Uh, 24, it's Virginia Tech, who's just joining us now because they had a huge win over Pitt. And that leads them to a showdown with their in-state rival, Virginia. And that's going to decide the ACC Coastal this week. And the way Virginia Tech has played in their last six games, they've just looked absolutely phenomenal compared to what they have in the first couple of games. And at 25, I have App State, and that's just what I think the committee is going to do. It doesn't change too much other than the top 15 with the uh, big loss that Penn State suffered and the upset of Arizona State over Oregon. Let's hear yours, Gabe. Yeah, and uh, before I go on, I just just have a side note. Uh, When you think of USC, who do you think of? Urban Meyer. Okay. 
All right. <laughs> um, I was hoping to hear the USC Trojans. Um, you know, people here, you know, since I moved here, uh, I remember like one of my first days in my school, I was like, you know, talking to a buddy and uh, he was like, yeah, I'm a big USC fan. I'm like, oh, really? I was like, the Pac-12? He's like, what? And I was like, yeah, like USC. He's like, no, South Carolina, bro. And just, I don't know, I guess that's just here. Like, I know I'd heard it before, who's the real USC, but like. No, yeah, from, it's, you know, it's a really big deal. It's a yeah. really big deal to oh. people, especially in South Carolina. It's it's kind of funny, though, like that you say that, because like I've seen uh, people in USC, like in uh, in California, they don't really care. Like they I feel like they just know that they're like the real USC because like yeah. South, South Carolina feels like they're they have a right. But like in a lot, like you'll see a lot if you're reading USC for South Carolina, it'd be like USC and then like a lowercase e at the end. And it's kind of funny just just because. But um, no, that is interesting that you brought that up just because like I know a lot of people, especially as South Carolina fans or just SEC fans in general who do actually get offended about that, like chill. It doesn't matter. It's three letters. Just move on with your life. Yeah, I mean, like, just growing up watching the SEC as much as we did, it was always South Carolina, just like, you know, it was Arkansas. I mean, when I lived there, they called it U of A. Like, where are you going to college, man? U of A. And, you know, you, you understand just because you live there. So now I've kind of grasped the term, and I'm like, okay. But, like, there's a little, there's a couple times where I'm like, USC, like, Trojans, no, 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 wait, no. Talk about the Gamecocks, you know. And mm -hmm. um, so I, I just thought that was worth a note. I, I thought that was kind of funny. That, I mean, moving here, that was a little bit of a change. But uh, without further ado, let me give you my top 25. And coming in at number one, I have LSU. Um, and at number two, I have Ohio State. I really don't see these two flipping, even Ohio State, uh, even though Ohio State got a top 10 win this week. Uh, there's the possibility, but um, I just don't see it happening. Ohio State didn't kill Penn State, um, and we're going to get into that later. But um, I know we want to talk about that. But LSU, I think, is going to re reclaim the top spot or, or hold on to it. And um, just shout out to them for not taking the boot this week. Uh, we didn't think they were going to. And uh, just an ultimate disrespect to Arkansas. You know, props to Arkansas for getting, like, 30-plus points or 20-plus points on them. Um, that, you know, it didn't look too bad. It wasn't 55-3. to three, So, uh, LSU's defense is pretty tragic, though, no doubt. Uh, coming in at number three, uh, I have Clemson. Number four, I have Georgia staying in their normal spot. Number five, I have Alabama. Number six, I have Utah. Number seven, I have Oklahoma. Eight, I have Minnesota. Nine, I have Florida. Number 10, I have Penn State falling only two spots after an 11-point loss to Ohio State. Uh, number 11, I have Oregon. Number 12, I have Baylor. 13, I have Wisconsin. 14, I have Michigan. 15, I have Auburn. 16, I have Notre Dame. 17, I have Iowa. 18, I have Memphis. Uh, Memphis. 19, I have Cincinnati. 20, I have Boise State. 21, Oklahoma State. 22, Iowa State. 23, USC. 24, App State. 25, Virginia Tech. And before I move on to, you know, our top six, uh, I want to note that USC can possibly jump Iowa State and maybe Oklahoma State because Iowa State, you know, barely squeaked by Kansas this week. They had a tough, tough victory. And uh, USC's been playing phenomenal football lately. And uh, Keegan Hovis, what's it? Keegan Hovis, right? No, and, no, it's um, Keegan Slavis. Slavis, whatever. You, you yeah. know what I meant. You know what I was no, I, no, I got gotcha. you. Uh, he's been playing awesome. I think he's had like three games in a row where he's thrown over 400 yards and uh, he's played phenomenal football. And just for a true freshman, I mean, I honestly think USC's in good hands. And um, I don't think you, uh, Clay Helton, I think Clay Helton gets to keep his job personally. I really do. I think that they'd be a fool to fire Clay Helton. Um, 
But, you know, if Urban Meyer's there, I think Urban Meyer can turn this into a national powerhouse like it used to be. So Yeah, no, I, I actually have an interesting take on that. If, like like you said, USC can absolutely jump up to 21 right now. Um, with Urban Meyer, though, if we're going to talk about him, the only way that Clay Helton gets fired this offseason is if they call um, I, if, is if they call Urban Meyer today and he says, yes, I'll take the job, but you like you have to let him go now, like all this stuff. Like that's the only way if if Urban Meyer is not trying to get a job, if he doesn't want it, then Clay Helton keeps his job. And I think he deserves to, especially if they get a ninth win in the in the in bowl season. And Utah, if, if Utah loses this week, actually, USC's um, and USC wins, then USC or they don't even have a game. So all they have to do is hope for Utah to lose. And if they do, then they actually go to the Pac-12 championship uh, representing the South. So that's something interesting to know. And especially if they were to go to the Pac-12 championship, I don't think like I don't think they can fire him really like that's just tough. And um, another thing to know is that, like, Keaton, like you said, Keaton Slavis had he's had a crazy good year. Um, after what well, I forget his last name, but their quarterback that they had last year, uh, JT, um, some I can't, I can't come up with his name right now, but uh, JT something, <laughs> he got hurt. So they're gonna have a very interesting offseason at the quarterback position because they have so many options that they can go to. And I just thought that was very something that we can definitely touch on. And USC could definitely be a dark horse next year. But like as of right now, I think we both agree that Clay Helton should keep his job. Oh, yeah. Just to um, not correct you, but just to help you out. It was JT Daniels. I knew exactly right. what you were talking about. Yeah, and, uh, you know, he got the ACL injury to begin the year. And um, I think they would, they would be mistaken to start JT Daniels over him next year. Um, this kid's played phenomenal, and USC can realistically win the Pac-12 next year. I really, really believe that. Oregon, I don't think, is going to be a contender next year. Um, I don't think their coach is that good. Honestly, he's an offensive line coach. He's just kind of like, I have Justin Herbert. It's like, you know. Um, but I think that they can realistically win the Pac-12 next year. You know, that's that's a whole other discussion we'll have during the offseason. But, I mean, I right now, I think you – honestly, I would love – to see Utah lose and USC just kind of slide right in there and play. Yeah, it, it would be it would be crazy because crazy that could, USC won won yeah, the Pac-12. Then, that would be yeah, crazy. If, exactly, like USC could if Utah were to lose, and I know we're going way too far into this, but like it's it's just crazy to think about. If Utah loses, USC goes to the Pac-12 championship and plays Oregon and beats them. They're going to the Rose Bowl, and I don't think. I mean, I'm sure we've seen a four-last team go to the Rose Bowl before, but that's that's just wild to think about. And, like, I just would love to see that happen. It would be crazy, and it would rock the college football playoff, and it would just be insane on to see the effect of that if Utah were to lose this upcoming week. But I'm pretty sure they play, like, like Colorado. So Yeah, they play Colorado. I don't really, yeah, I don't see it happening, but – it's a possibility, and like we saw this week, anything can happen in college football. Just, just to kind of um, add on to the magnitude, if Utah was to lose, Utah's favored by 28.5 points at the moment. Mm-hmm. So uh, at, that's at home. 
So, and I honestly think that that's, that's astronomical. That's ridiculous. Uh, Colorado's trying to get into a bowl game. So I really think that this could realistically happen. This could. There's one team that's, you know, bottom of the pit. Honestly, Colorado's not bottom of the pit. They just kind of have had a normal year where they're kind of getting better and building up. And so they have a new coach. And, uh, they, you know, had a big win against Nebraska this year in the beginning of the year. So um, we'll see what happens. Um, we're just going to have to let it play out, you know, for Saturday and everything. So, um, mm-hmm. But moving on, let's go into our top six. I want to hear your top six uh, after last weekend, if anything's changed and um, what you might change and what, you know, might transpire the next week or, or so. But as of right mm-hmm. now, what do you have? Yeah, so, I mean, I had, like, a lot happening, actually. And – it, it bothers me and I'm upset with myself because like I kind of let myself fall in love with Oregon and I, th- I felt like I like statistically and like watching you're like Justin Herbert's like playing pretty well this year and stuff like he hasn't really screwed up since the Auburn game and he just seems to be getting better and better and I mean a lot of people thought that and I kind of filled myself with that lie and I'm my apologies to anyone who like believed me and believed in Oregon because Dear God, they Justin Herbert himself looked very bad on. Uh, it, it, it's there's no other way to put it. He looked very bad on Saturday in in Tempe. So uh, they are not in my top six this week. And uh, I'll start it off with Ohio State at number one. I think it was a pretty ugly game against Penn State. But uh, I mean, if Ohio State doesn't fumble fumble the ball three times, I feel like they actually could have possibly shut out the Nittany Lions or just left them with a field goal because it was it was going to be ugly if they didn't fumble those times. But with that, it was a close game. With those three fumbles, it was a very close game, actually, at one point. So um, at, at number two, I have LSU. Uh, they don't really seem to have taken any steps back. Their defense, like, showed something, I guess, against uh, Arkansas this past week. But everyone's played well against Arkansas, so – like liter- literally everyone. So I'm not exaggerating that. And uh, at number three, we have Clemson. I feel like it, it was really hard for me to, with the top three because Clemson, I just feel like even though they didn't play this week, it's hard to say that they might not be the best team in the country and especially at three because the way they've just improved so drastically throughout the years, unbelievable to me. And I have so much respect. I don't like Dabo Sweeney that much. But I have a lot of respect for what he's done there, and it's gonna it's gonna pay off in the college football playoff because if you had to lock up one team right now for the playoff, it's Clemson because of their easy schedule. But you can't knock them for their easy schedule because it's their conference's fault for being bad, and it's not theirs. And second of all, Clemson is just that much better than everyone. So, and you're gonna see that in probably in the playoff to see how good. Of it, it's going to be a test when they really have a true test in the college football playoff. Um, at number four, I have Utah. They had a huge win. Everyone was saying UCLA was going to pull it off and possibly, or at least keep it close, um, especially because they were trying to make a bowl game. Or wait, no, that was they didn't play UCLA this past weekend. They played Arizona. Uh, my fault. But everyone was saying everyone's been saying that every team is going to keep it close with Utah and. No one has. Utah's blowing the doors off of every team, and it's just going to continue, especially this week against Colorado. Um, I truly believe they're the number four team in the country right now, 
and they're playing ridiculous ball, but no one sees it because they're on the they're on the West Coast and they play at ten thirty. Um, number five at Georgia, they didn't really impress me. Again, like their defense is very good, but I truly believe Texas A and M deserved to get that win, and I'll definitely dive into that more. Uh, but no, nothing has really impressed me with this Georgia game. At number six, I have Alabama. The Crimson Tide don't have two anymore. They're relying on Mac Jones. Uh, he looked really good this past weekend, but they played Western Carolina, so it's hard to tell. Um, it's hard to tell anything more, but he's going to really be tested this week at uh, with the Iron Bowl in Auburn. So it'll be very interesting, and I can't wait to talk to you more about that one. Yeah, to start off my top six, um, I have Clemson at number one. I have not changed. I still think Clemson is the number one team in the nation right now. And right behind him is LSU. Those can flip-flop just depending on performance. And so I still believe Clemson is the most complete team in the nation. No question they're one of the most talented teams in the nation. And right behind him, LSU has one of the most lethal offenses we've seen. I think their offense this year is is much better than Alabama's was last year just because it's just more diverse. It's more – uh, re-based, not re-based, let me take that back, it's more air raid, it's more, uh, you know, uh, deep to low, um, you know, dig routes, they have hook routes, slant routes, uh, deep routes, meanwhile, Alabama's offense, you know, I know, we both know that this aggravated me a lot was Alabama's offense, you know, all they did was fake an inside zone, they'd read inside zone, throw slants or throw deep, that's all they do, or throw crossing mm-hmm. routes, they, their offense really has no I mean, they make Steve Sarkeesian look like, like a genius, and he's really not. He just has so much talent, and he doesn't have a very good offensive system. I can't believe that he's still got a job anywhere, But <laughs> um, honestly. But uh, LSU's offense is one of the most lethal offenses we've seen in a while, most diverse and most um, concept-based. So, um, I, I, like I, we've talked about just right before we filmed this podcast, I think it's going to be LSU and Clemson in the, in the national championship which is, I think, a game that would go down to the ages. I think it would, you know, top USC Texas, uh, maybe get there. I don't think you can top that game just because of how, you know, Vince Young walked that off. But um, I, I think these are two great teams. I, I think the separation between them and Ohio State is pretty big. I, I, and that brings me to Ohio State at number three. I personally believe that Ohio State is um, not what everyone's uh, but has been thinking of. I'm, I'm trying to word this right. Everyone thought that they were this team that only gives up, like, negative five points and scores 120. Like, that's what everyone thought. Like, this team is ridiculously good. They have Chase Young. And, yeah, they have one of the best college players in college football. But they're not one of the best teams. I don't, I don't, they only score 28 points against, a, uh, I would say, a mediocre Penn State defense for the Big Ten. Put that Penn State defense in the SEC, they're not averaging nine points a game, which is what they you know, were putting up, like, five weeks ago. So this Penn State defense, which was getting like a bunch of praise to begin the year, um, they only put up 28 points against them. And I think they still should have scored 45. They should have beat them 45 to 17, 45 to 10 with a backward quarterback. Yet they gave Penn State a chance to win the game. It was 21 to 17 in the fourth quarter. So um, I don't think Ohio State can beat LSU, and I don't think they can beat Clemson. I think the, the, the vast difference between LSU and Clemson and Ohio State is, is pretty big. I, I don't think that they can compete with um, LSU or Clemson. And, yes, I, I think that they're going to um, make the playoff and they're going to win the Big Ten. But um, 
uh, we're going to get into Ohio State and Michigan. I know um, I'm kind of foreshadowing what my prediction is, but I think they're going to get into the playoff, and um, I don't think they're going to make the national championship. I think they're going to lose to Clemson, just being honest, or LSU. So uh, we'll see how that plays out, but um, I know I went a little off topic. Let me go back to my number four team in the nation, and my number four team in the nation right now is honestly Alabama. I can't. I can't sit here and tell you Georgia's a better team because Georgia's not better. Uh, honestly, I mean, it, it took me a minute to put Georgia ahead of Utah, which is further down. But Alabama is better than both of them, even with the backup quarterback. They still have so much talent on their team. Their defense still really sucks. But, um, I mean, I still think they're the fourth-best team. Does that mean I think they should be in the playoff? No. But they have the fourth-best team at the moment with Mac Jones. And Mac Jones isn't a scrub. Though. Let's just put it out there. Mac Jones is a good quarterback who sat behind Tua for two years, and he's done his job. Like he's he's learned, and now his opportunity is here. And Tua is probably not coming back, so this is his job from here on out, most likely. So unless he like you know goes off and then enter, enters the draft after the year, but I don't think that's going to happen. So assuming that this is Mac Jones' start for his tenure at Alabama's uh, Alabama's quarterback, and um, there's never really been an Alabama quarterback that's kind of stepped in and done really bad. You had Jacob Coker, for example who, you know, played at Florida State and didn't do anything uh, with Alabama and won him a national championship. You know, Blake Sims, who sat for four years and then comes in, it's his turn, and then he, you know, he gets in the playoff. And Blake Sims was remarkably fast. He had a, he had a great arm. He was, he's one of the f- biggest – he's one of the most forgotten quarterbacks of the SEC. I think Blake Sims is an awesome quarterback. And so Mac Jones is another example. Um, Alabama's always done a really good job of coaching their quarterbacks up. So I don't think we're going to see too big of a drop-off at the quarterback position. I think he's still going to be able to do his job. I just don't think he's going to play to Tua's level because no one can really match Tua. Tua is a phenomenal quarterback. Um, yeah, so that moves me on to my fifth-best team, and that's Georgia. Uh, Georgia's horrible. They're not beating LSU. Uh, their <laughs> offense, I just it pisses me off. I want to punch their offense coordinator in the face. I'm not even a Georgia fan. It's just pissing me off. You know, I, Honestly, I might show up dressed as a coach. Like, dye my hair black, whatever, and dress as a coach, walk in there, rip his headset off, and just start calling plays, dude. Because, like, whatever he's doing, he's got to do something. He's got to get drunk before the game because I don't know how you're managing to score 19 points with that team. It's killing me, dude. I know it's killing you, too. I know you hate Georgia, but as a, as a college football fan in general, you just hate to see a team with so much talent and just kind of piss it all away. You know oh, I mean? it's, so, it's so bad. It's so bad. And in the spots that he puts Jake Fromm in, it's just ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, he, he acts – I feel like he thinks that the only real player that they have on that team is – like on that offense, um, rather, is DeAndre Swift. And that's not the case at all. Like you have five-star receivers, five-star quarterback, five-star uh, – like multiple running backs, yet they use uh, – DeAndre Swift the most, which I can't blame them for, but like, I mean, you have so much talent at the palm of your hands. You literally have, you're staring at the, like at the national championship right now. And it it should be yours. Like you, Georgia should be the number one team in the country right now. And if they didn't have, if they didn't screw up against uh, South Carolina, they probably would be. And we, I mean, it's, it's like a lot to take in, but their offense has just looked so bad this year. And it's crazy because in the past years, they haven't had this issue. It's been like, all right, we're going to go in there and uh, do our thing and then shit the bed against Alabama. That's just what their seasons have been every single year. Exactly. And it's like they can't even compete with 
They couldn't even compete with Alabama as like four string quarterback at this moment in time. They just can't score points, dude. And it's it's and, yeah, and it's sad all- because their defense. It's sad because like their defense is their like very good, like elite, and arguably the number one defense in the country. And their offense just can't score points. And I don't know if like if you saw it towards the end of the game, but like Jake Fromm or. DeAndre Swift like yelled at Jake Fromm when they're like when uh, Kirby Smart called a timeout. Like he yelled at him blatantly on screen. It was like, and it's like, what is happening with this Georgia team? Like this offense in particular, it's just crazy to me. Like to see all this. Well, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it's falling on Jake Fromm, and I, I just like I said on the, uh, last week's podcast, it is not Jake Fromm. Jake Fromm did not come out this year and was like, I'm gonna play like shit because he's playing like shit this year. He's playing awful. And last year, Jake Fromm played like a great quarterback, threw for 350 yards, four touchdowns almost every game. And then he comes out this year. This is strictly – he did not have a fall-off. He didn't get in a car accident over the offseason, and his arm is like half broken, okay? Like, I know as terrible as that sounds, like, that's a possibility that could happen, but that never happened. He didn't, he didn't like, shoot his arm while he was hunting because, you know, we all know he loves to hunt. He didn't <laughs> shoot his finger off. Nothing happened. He didn't just fall off. It's the offensive coordinator, okay? And James just, Coley. And just a side note, on paper, this is the best team in college football. I don't care. On paper, this is the best team. They're all That's what they I'm the saying. Best, they have the best offensive line in college football, easily. And no questions asked. They have the best offensive line in college football. They have an NFL-ready quarterback, I believe. I think Jake Fromm's NFL-ready. They have multiple – they have like four or five-star running backs, including DeAndre Swift and a four-star running back. They have – like a top five SEC receiving core. They have a top, like a top three defense in the nation. And they have a top three pass rush in the nation. They have a top three linebacking core in the nation. And they probably have a top 10 secondary. And they can only win 19 of 13 against Texas A&M, who that, that just blows my mind. At home. This wasn't even on the road. This is at home. Yeah, and Bo oh. Nix put up 28 points. Bo Nix in the Auburn offense put up 28 points against Exactly. Uh, against right. the Aggies at Kyle Field. That is, like, no offense, but, like, that's embarrassing for Georgia. Like, Georgia should oh, yeah. be, like, sh- Georgia should not be struggling, like, the way they are. There, There is no excuse for it. So, before we uh, move on, let me go right into my sixth team, and that is Utah. Um, I wanted to put Oklahoma or Baylor in here right now, but I just don't think Oklahoma is very good. I don't, I don't believe in them. I don't think that they're winning the Big 12, honestly. I think Baylor's going to win the Big 12. Um, although that's an, a, a topic for another time. Um, it for might change, week. honestly. For next week, yeah. But, um, yeah, so I just think Utah's been playing great football lately. Their defense is playing stout in the Pac-12. Their so offense is firing in all cylinders, and I think they're going to beat Oregon, assuming that they play them in the Pac-12 championship. And, I think uh, they'll no beat one, Oregon handily too. Like I don't yeah. think it's gonna. I think they're gonna have a very convincing win. They're that good, and no one sees it. Yeah, well, I mean, they're in the Pac-12, and uh, but knowing my luck, knowing my luck, I'm gonna come out here and say that they're a really good team, and that they're gonna win the Pac-12 and get in. And, you know, just knowing my luck, they're gonna shit the bed against Colorado this week. I'm just telling you, it's gonna happen. Like, <laughs> I'm telling you right now, it's gonna happen, and so. Uh, but right now, as of right now, guys, on, on Monday, November 25th, I, I think today's 25th, um, at 7.52 p.m., Utah is the sixth-best team in the nation, and uh, that can, they can move up and, you know, they get into the playoff. They can honestly shock some people. So um, without further ado, 
Um, let's talk. Uh, one of our two main topics coming in this week is Miami lost to FIU. And one of the biggest questions I want to ask is, is there a possibility that Manny Diaz can get fired after this year? I There is, and it's it's crazy. I mean, like, I don't know – I don't know where to like begin with this. It's crazy. Like I, and before anyone gets like, Oh, like FIU might be if, just looking at FIU. Like they might be like one of those teams that's pretty good in like the conference USA or wherever the hell they're, they're at. But no, they're like really bad this year. They're like, this was like their sixth win maybe. And in a conference like that, like that's, just, I don't, I don't know where to start. And it, it's just bad. Like Jaron Williams looked really bad. And, this Dan Enos guy from uh, Alabama is just, like their offensive coordinator now. He's just this is that's looking like a really bad hire offensively, and it's just this it's slowly deteriorating. Like this, just it's just so bad. I don't think he gets fired after this year, but next year he's absolutely coaching for his job. Yeah. Well, um, another question for this game is: Do you think FIU is now the second best team in the state of Florida? <laughs> no, I don't. I, I uh, don't. <laughs> uh, but yeah, just to add add salt to the wound, uh, FIU suffered losses to Tulane. They got their ass kicked by Tulane, forty two fourteen. They lost to Western Kentucky, who absolutely beat the living piss out of Arkansas, which was fantastic. They lost to Law Tech, Middle Tennessee State, and FAU, uh, all by really bad. I mean, they lost to Middle Tennessee State fifty seventeen and FAU, thirty seven to seven. And then they beat Miami. I mean, um, this this is crazy. It just just blows my mind. Um, Manny Diaz, uh, we both knew that. That was an awful hire. One of the worst, I think. <laughs> I mean, it just goes to show that they can really fire him after this year. You know how quick Miami is, and they're just not making the right decisions. No, yeah. Well, they're, they're like, like you said, it's a pretty bad hire, but, like, when you're thinking about it and you're like Miami and Manny Diaz and like, he's like, he's a guy that can get like, he's like trying to get the U back and all this stuff. So he has like the right ideas, but it's just not working out for him. And he's losing recruits left and right. And it, it's quickly turning into a dumpster fire. And for the state of Florida football's sake, I hope he can fix it because dear God, there is nothing going on good right now other than UF. And, like, Florida State is a mess. Miami's a mess. And UCF, for that matter, is not doing as well as they had hoped. And now it's it's all it's all the Gators. And, like, as a Florida fan, it's, like, nice. But at the same time, it's, it's really cool to see all three, the big three schools doing well. You know what I like noticed while like um, while I made the comment about how FIU is number two in the state of Florida, is that mm-hmm. just how quickly UCF. Uh, this is just a side note. How quickly they just not become relevant. They just fallen off the map. Just like they don't exist anymore now. It's like oh, yeah, it's, it's like, crazy. They've they've opened up the doors for all the other American like teams to like just open up, and now that. Mike Norvell is doing his thing at uh, Memphis. They're nasty, and they're probably going to go to the Cotton Bowl. And then you have SMU with Sonny Dykes, and you have Luke Fickle at Cincinnati, and you're seeing how, like, these coaches are ridiculous, and it it boggles my mind to see how, like, uh, just to see how 
like UCF opened up the Americans so much and now how they've really taken a toll this year. Yeah, I, I don't think – I think this year was the end for UCF. I don't see them doing any better than this year. I don't see them going to New Year's Six in the next 10 years. I think Josh Heupel is going to take a job elsewhere this year. I think he's, he's going to get out of UCF. He's done his job there. He's done a phenomenal job there. Uh, for what he did last year and the fact that he made a game with LSU is, is awesome. I, I can't believe that. And uh, that he was able to score 28 points on an LSU defense that was really respectable last year. Um, now 28 points on an LSU defense this year, you're like, well, I mean, that's like almost the amount of points Arkansas scored. So that's not really that good. But um, he's done an awesome job. And, uh, uh, I mean, I'm interested to see how they're going to do with uh, Taylor Gabriel uh, going into next year. Uh, not Taylor Gabriel. I'm, I'm blanking. Um, Dylan Gabriel. Dylan Gabriel. And I'm thinking, you know, the NFL receiver. No, he's out on my fantasy mm-hmm. team. I'm not that bad, guys. But yeah, uh, Dylan Gabriel, he uh, he's played phenomenal this year. That kid's got a freaking cannon. Why he went to UCF, no clue. Um, but because he's from uh, Hawaii and he followed Mackenzie hey, Milton. Hey, come steps. to Auburn, bro. If you're listening to this, come to Auburn, dude. Please. I mean, like, um, just give Bo Bo Nix a run for his money. And if Bo Nix beats you out, then Bo Nix is a deal. But I'm still not sold on Bo Nix. But that's you know that's a topic for another time. Um, but yeah, so quick. Um, Overview, FIU beat Miami. Uh, we kind of cracked jokes on them. Um, Miami's a dumpster fire, and that's really all there is to it. And now let's get to Texas, Illinois, and Tennessee. So, first, <laughs> I just want to mention Texas. Um, Tennessee, Texas, Illinois, they're all 6-5, and five, okay? Just as an overview, the fact that Texas is in that conversation, the same boat as Tennessee who lost to Georgia State to begin the year, ridiculous. Props to Tennessee for getting up there, and Jeremy Pruitt, I think, is a really good coach. He's done a phenomenal job in getting them back up to, you know, the top and full eligible, which, you know, started one and four this year. Um, so Texas is completely falling off. Sam Ellinger is a fraud. He's not that good. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, what do you think Tom Herman's job security is? Do you think he's in the hot seat? Do you, he, I don't think he's going to be fired this year. I, don't, I think you'd be a fool to think he'd be fired after this year. Do you think he's on the hot seat next year? Absolutely. He, he's, co- he's coaching for his job next year. He the fact that like he did what he did before the Baylor game, where he was banging on his like like he was banging his bare head on his like like on his team's uh, helmets, like just going crazy, just shows like I I feel like he's lost his locker room maybe a little bit, and I don't I don't know how you could like go, especially going into this year like seriously I feel like. They really were hyped about this season, and they just lost it. So he honestly could have lost his guys. I don't know what the hell has happened because they have some absolute dudes there, and they're losing recruits left and right. And he's just I, – I don't know what else to say, say other than, like, he has to be coaching for his job next year because you know how crazy these Texas fans are. They basically – the second Charlie Strong got there, he was doomed from the like from the very second he stepped foot on campus. He literally never was given a chance. And yes, that was not a good hire. But when they fired Mac Brown, they were trying to get like Nick Saban and all these huge guys who are already at big schools. But no, none of them actually wanted to go to te- no. No one actually wanted to leave Texas or leave their school for Texas. And. If they're gonna if they're gonna fire Tom Herman next year, they're gonna have to get an absolute home run hire. And I mean, they, 
a lot of people are actually now speculating that Urban Meyer will go to Texas next year or even this year, depending on what happens. But, I mean, Tom, it's just crazy. Last year, not even a year ago, they were saying how Texas was back, and now they're 6-5. and five. And I just don't know what else to say. It, it, it's left me speechless because I'll, myself included, I thought they were going to go probably 10-2 and two or 11-1 and one into the – uh, Big 12 championship against Oklahoma, possibly playing for a spot in the college football playoff. Yeah, uh, with that, with the Urban Meyer thing, it's just kind of pissing me off. How everyone's talking about Urban Meyer is going to go here, he's going to go there. It's just like the ultimate excuse is like, oh, we suck. We're just going to hire Urban Meyer. I personally don't think Urban Meyer is going to go anywhere. I really don't. Um, but uh, I know that's you know kind of a, that's another topic. That's an offseason topic. Where yeah. he's going to go, and, you know, I know we're going to have to do an emergency podcast for whenever he gets a job. So um, that's assuming that he gets a job. I don't think he will. I just don't think he's going to coach for another couple of years. Um, I think it's too soon. He just really ruined his character if he took a job immediately uh, with the whole migraine situation last year. But um, without further ado, let's go right into week 13, get it started, and, you know, get this kicking. Um, so our first game is Texas A&M went into Athens, Georgia, and played the Georgia Bulldogs and lost by six points by a score of 19-13. to 13. And so my first question to you is, is Jake Fromm hurting his draft stock, like, as each game goes by, like, you know, after this week? And the LSU game, he's going to get exposed. Um, I don't think they're all going yeah. to do very well. So do you think uh, he, his lack of production is hurting his draft stock? Yeah, and if he doesn't get drafted to a team who plays in a dome, then he's done for because – They've played, I think, three games in the rain so far, and every and each of those games he hasn't played well. This this past game, I'll give you a stat line. It was eleven for twenty three, one hundred sixty three yards and one touchdown. And overall, I mean, he again he went under fifty percent for completion for his completion percentage, and. He's just playing very bad, and I don't know how else to phrase it. And I don't like we we discussed earlier. It's probably James Coley's fault. He's ha- he's done a horrific job as the offensive coordinator there. Um, but yeah, I really think that right now it's a serious possibility that Jake Fromm stays. And if he does, as a Florida fan, I'm still a little nervous because I mean Jake Fromm can play great any week. Like he's just that guy. But it's at the same time, it's a lot of money to walk away from considering he's still a top uh, – he's a first-round draft pick in a lot of people's um, – uh, what is it called? A, ma- a mock draft. Excuse yeah. me. Um, but it, I don't know. He's definitely hurting himself by playing the way he has. And, I mean, if you watch most of his completions or passes, for that matter, he checks down to DeAndre Swift about half the time. So – how many throws is he making that like actually needs skill? Because I can make checkdowns all day, and I can't see over that uh, Georgia offensive line. So I would just check down all the game. So and that seems it seems like he's doing the same thing. So if that's all you have to do to be the Georgia quarterback, then they could literally recruit anyone. Yeah, and, I mean, he he's earned the name Mister Checkdown after this week. Uh, you know, I saw Saturday Night House post, and then like, hey, everybody, be like Mister Checkdown and stuff, and. Um, but at the end of the day, his mom's still pretty hot, so <laughs> <laughs> that's all that matters. <laughs> his mom is smoking hot, dude. Uh, you know, 
you haven't watched QB1, I definitely advise that you watch it. Uh, Lee Fromm is one of the best parts of it. Um, but uh, my second question to you is, do you think George has any chance of beating LSU? Uh, no, I don't. I mean, I feel, I feel like I've kind of let this go. Like I've talked about it for weeks now. I just, assuming that both teams would be in the SEC championship, I no, I don't see LSU like holding up against Georgia. I think they're going to beat them down, and it's going to be ugly. So, I think I don't think it's going to be close at all. I think it's going to be kind of a probably a blowout. The only thing that can keep Georgia remotely in the game is their defense, which is very good. But so far, we haven't seen LSU been stopped. Uh, where the other team can really be put in a position where they can win other than I would say um, against Auburn when they played at Death Valley. I just, other than that, I don't think uh, we're going to see any, any game or for anyone who, for that matter, who can really stop LSU right now. It's just their, their offense is way too lethal and Georgia's offense is just so Bad. And it, it it's sad to say it, even though I'm a Florida fan, it's just sad to see how all this talent is just being wasted. Yeah, I'm I'm so with you there. I don't think Georgia – I know last week I talked about how uh, if they were to capitalize on turnovers and uh, take advantage of opportunities and play a better football game than LSU, uh, that's not happening. Uh, Georgia could force uh, 23 turnovers. They're still not going to win this game. Their offense will get the ball and just punt it right back to them. I mean, it can go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Joe Burrow can just have the worst game of his career. LSU still win the game by two touchdowns. I mean, they, uh, Georgia has no chance of winning this game. I, I, it just, just won't happen. Not on Mars, not on Jupiter, not on Uranus, not on Neptune, not on Pluto. It won't happen, okay? And especially not on Mercury. So, um, this isn't going to happen. Uh, Georgia's going to, you know, take a loss in the uh, SEC championship. And um, it was crazy to think that this is the first time that LSU and Georgia have played. Like, not played, played, but, you know, they played in the 2011 SEC Championship, you know, where there's Tyron Matthew and, um, you know, Jordan Jefferson and the rest of that crew, the crew that uh, got beat 21 to nothing by LSU um, in January of that year. So um, that's crazy to think. Uh, that was actually, you know, a game that Georgia was up 10 nothing at halftime. So a lot of this is like the same. LSU was a much better team that year than Georgia was. Georgia just kind of won the East. Nobody really gave them a chance and um, or gave them, you know, a run for their money. I think that's a lot like this year. Um, I think it's a little bit closer than it was that year. And, you know, that Georgia team is still up 10 nothing. That LSU offense is weak. And uh, they still ended up winning 41-10. So, I, I mean, it's going to be a lot like 2011. I think this is like a, an exact replica. Um, so we're going to see how it plays out. Um, but without further ado, let's go right into Penn State and Ohio State. And so, if you know, Ohio State won 28-17 in Columbus, and um, they solidified their spot in the Big Ten Championship. They are awaiting the winner of Wisconsin-Minnesota, who we're going to get into later this week. And so, uh, the winner of that game will face uh, Ohio State and Indianapolis. Um, and so, let me, you know, gather my train of thought for this game. Um, I know I have my opinion, but first I want to hear, uh, did we see a great Ohio State team that we've seen? Uh, or do we see the Ohio State team that everyone has, you know, thought of? Like like I mentioned earlier, that's given up a small amount of points and scored a lot of points. Uh, did we see that Ohio State team, even though they played a top-10 team, or are they overrated? Uh, that was a hard-phrased question, but um, are they overrated? That's, you know, that's my question to you. 
Uh, no, I don't think they're overrated. I think they just might have had a little bit of a tough day. I don't think that this game was as close as it looks. Um, Will Levis for Penn State, he was actually probably better than Sean Clifford. Uh, he he came in there and he got very fortunate with uh, with like the turnovers that Ohio State inflicted on itself, really, because those fumbles didn't weren't all. Uh, forced by Penn State actually they were just kind of they kind of just slipped to slipped around so fortunately for Ohio State that won't be happening in Indianapolis in two weeks and um especially if they make the playoff that won't be happening either considering it's in the dome so uh but anyways I don't think Ohio State is overrated I think Justin Fields actually probably looked fairly bad passing the ball I think he's got a a lot of work to do this offseason um, on his deep ball, especially. But again, it was raining. It was it was sloppy weather. Nothing great to look about, or like nothing great out like in Columbus. So it wasn't that they were overrated, but I don't think Penn State is a, a, was a top ten team going into this game. And without those three turnovers, I really believe Ohio State wins this game probably forty to zero. Honestly, I don't know how much they would have, how many points Penn State would have scored. All right. Well, um, the fact that you just said that they would, uh, Ohio State should have won this game 40 to nothing. Um, I almost put my head through the wall. I almost did. Not going to lie. Um, <laughs> but uh, I just, I've been bamboozled. Okay. Don't believe in Ohio State. Like I said, I don't believe in them. Uh, they only scored 28 points against a very weak Penn State team. Um, I just, I, like you said, Justin Fields, just the fact that he's top three in the Heisman candidacy is just strictly because he hasn't played anybody. He's done his job. He's just played his role in the offense. He, you know, you haven't seen any clips where he's, you know, he hasn't had a Heisman moment. He's not going to have one. He's not like that. He's not going to break the pocket, you know, pull off a Johnny Manziel, hit his offensive lineman, fumble the ball, catch it, and throw it back in the end zone and score a touchdown. That was Johnny Manziel's Heisman moment. Lamar Jackson was running against Florida State, spinning out, juking everybody in the secondary, and, you know, that last touchdown that was just remarkable. And he's doing the same thing in the NFL this year. And, you know, Joe Burrow's had his Heisman moments, and I still don't think he's had his yet. But Justin Fields has no highlight reel clip. He doesn't have a play that sticks out. He doesn't have a play that's like, oh, my God, like, look at this. Look at this throw. Look at, you know, look at this beautiful dig route. Look at, look at his pocket presence. Look at him move in the pocket. I mean, he just does it. He just plays his role in the offense. It's all he's doing. And he hasn't played a serious pass rush yet. He hasn't played a defense that can cover receivers. So I just, I'm not bought on Ohio State. I'm really not. And I truly, truly, truly think, and here it is, we talked about it. If they play Clemson, they're losing by three touchdowns. They're losing by three touchdowns. They're losing, I'm telling you right now. It's not going to happen. Three touchdowns is crazy. You don't realize how talented this Ohio State team is. They're talented. And you, you're, you're not. No hold on, hold on. You're not giving the credit that Penn State deserves. They had, a, they've had a very good season so far. Sean Clifford is probably the reason that their offense isn't good. Um, the fact that you said I was crazy for them not being able to score against Ohio State is absurd. Without those three turnovers, they can't score. They couldn't score. And James Franklin was literally punting on the 36-yard line of Ohio State. So they probably wouldn't have even gotten a field goal. And when they scored their two touchdowns, they literally were set up. Um, they had one good drive, one really good drive, 
where they didn't know what this quarterback was, Will Levis, who is a backup who actually brings an entire new dimension to the offense where he can run the ball as well, where he can run the zone read. And it worked. And then after that, it didn't work after that one drive. And they were set up well where that one touchdown drive is the only credit I'll give them because the other two were set up by two fumbles by Ohio State. And what I'm saying to you is, is that if those do not happen, and if Sean Clifford doesn't even get hurt, they're not even scoring a point on this Ohio State defense. They literally can't. They, I'm telling you right now. And Ohio State, just because they put up 28 points isn't like a bad thing. I mean, you. yes, we've been talking about Justin Fields and how he didn't have a great day. They can literally rely on J.K. Dobbins to have a great day, which he did on a bunch of carries. And that's what something I give Ryan Day and the coaches credit for because they're giving they're giving everything they can to Justin Fields for him to be successful for them to win games. And I'm I'm sure they're gonna address it this offseason so he gets better with downfield passing. But right now their their bread and butter is running the ball, Justin Fields and J.K. Dobbins. And that's what they did very well this this Saturday, and they're gonna continue to do so. Although they didn't look good. Uh, scoring points, they really did a great job of holding Penn State. Penn State had one good quarter, and that was that was the game. Other than that, Ohio State owned the entire game, and that the rest is history. Uh, I mean, like like we talked about, was Ohio State going to dominate this game? Yeah, they did, but they gave up 17 points. No matter whether turnovers, fumbles, I mean, they gave up their defense gave up 17 points to Penn State, which is okay. But they should not have only scored 28 points. Their offense has faced no challenge this year. Absolutely none. This team is, is so incredible. I mean, they're not on Clemson's level. The only reason why I'm saying Clemson's so good is because they've just been beating the piss out of teams. And they've been playing better teams than Ohio State's been playing. And they have so much talent on their roster. They have just Their talent compared to, to Ohio State's is a lot more, honestly. Ohio State is Chase Young, um, Justin Fields, and J.K. Dobbins, and, and two good DBs. I don't know the names. But they're top ten picks, and they're okay, phenomenal. You just said you just, hold on. You just said Clemson played has played better teams than Ohio State has. Better Nick. better teams that they've beaten fifty six to three than the teams. Ohio State's played Maryland. They, they beat them what seventy two to ten or something. Whatever. Clemson played Wake Forest, who was seven and two, and they beat them fifty six to three or fifty two okay. to three. Whatever it was. That's All what right, I'm and saying. Ohio, but, and Ohio, I know I understand what you're saying. Your argument is valid. I'm just I'm just trying to understand your side more ohio state beat a wisconsin team 38 to 7 who has um clemson played that is better than that and that have they dominated like that no one i i dude i can't i can't sit here and just just it's not going through my head ohio state is not a better team than clemson ohio state is not is not the best team in the nation they're not top two there there's no chance they have they have they have faced no challenge defensively. I mean, Clemson's at least faced a good defense. A and M was a better defense than any defense that Ohio State's faced. I can promise you that. They've played a no, better defense. Wisconsin. I mean, I'm telling but you. at the time, I would say Wisconsin's defense was well, ridiculous. Here's the thing: Wisconsin's bit. defense, their offense had absolute. This is just a, a common principle. If you cannot do anything offensively, your defense is going to get tired. And Ohio State's majority of their points came in the later half of the third quarter and all the fourth quarter. Okay, when Wisconsin's defense was completely fatigued, their offense wasn't doing, doing shit. So what I'm trying to make to you is that this Ohio State team 
has there. Okay, give, I'm going to take a scenario. Game on the line, who are you taking? Justin Fields, J.K. Dobbins, and the rest of the Ohio State offense against Trevor Lawrence, Travis Etienne, and Justin Ross, and the rest of his receiving core. Who are you taking to win you the ball game? If I'm taking either Clemson's offense or the or the offense of Ohio State. Actually, let me let me present a different scenario. If you if you were a better, if you had to put money on who was gonna to, to perform better in, in the fourth quarter of a game against a good defense, if that makes sense. So in the fourth quarter, you're playing um, LSU. Who do you think would score more points? An Ohio State offense who hasn't faced anybody that's very good, or uh, besides a Wisconsin defense who who Ohio State struggled with in the first uh, two and a half quarters. That's what I'm saying. They faced a good Wisconsin defense, and they had, what, 14 points, 10 points? And then the Wisconsin defense got so tired that their offense is coming off the field, uh, or there's, they were coming off the field three and outs, punting the ball, that they were just kind of like, I mean, we're so tired and so gassed that Ohio State scored 21 points, you know, the later half of the game. Yeah, but that's not you – can't, you can't make an excuse for that because they're making the, – they're making – Ohio State made those stops. They did everything they needed to do to win. That's and their that's defense, what, though, against a, a terrible offense. Wisconsin's offense is awful. They have one of the it's worst. It's not offense. awful. It's not. It's not one of the worst. Don't go there because they're average. I mean, they have they have probably a top five back in the country, that, who's yeah, at, who's helping the them. You take yeah, away the run, run, their offense isn't shit. No, you're you're right, but like, it's hard to take away the run. Not a lot of teams in the in the country would be able to stop that because Wisconsin's uh, O line is that good. And I know we're straying a lot, but like what I'm trying to say is is that Ohio State has a more credible schedule, and you're you are throwing them in the trash can after they are undefeated over a against a schedule who is absolutely better than Clemson's. I don't give a shit who Clemson has beaten as bad. Ohio State is beating the shit out of everyone. They are beating. They are leading the country in scoring, uh, scoring offense, and defense. So it, I don't. I don't care what is ha- like. I don't care what's happened. Yes, top to bottom, Clemson might be more talent talented on offense, but you can't just throw. Ohio, you can't say Ohio State is a three touchdown dog to Clemson because that is not the case right now. Clemson hasn't proved anything yet. They haven't – if they were to play a top 25 team, then you would say that they have some something to prove. Texas A&M is not a top 25 team right now, They and they beat them by, like, 14 points. I don't see where your argument for this Clemson team is coming from because it doesn't make sense. Okay, Clemson has showed uh, – just after this North Carolina squeak by that they had, they have played so flawlessly on offense. Okay, they have played. They've been scoring. They've been scoring eight touchdowns in the third quarter against teams that, I mean, I, I get Ohio State's doing the same thing, but here's the thing: Trevor Lawrence is proven. Travis Etienne is proven. This Clemson offense is proven. This defense has gotten so much better as the years gone by, and the only reason that they don't they're not talked about is because of the North Carolina game that we thought they they needed a lot to improve on, and they have improved vastly. No, but I the, I, I agree you with sit you. Sit here and tell me. Hold on. Can you sit here and tell me that a Justin Fields – okay, Clemson's defense, I believe, is – is they're not the top 10 in the nation, but they're top 20. They're a good defense. Of, they're of course, very they're good. They, no, they they're might, very they good. Might even, they might even be better than – some people say they're better than they were last year, but go ahead. Do you think that Justin Fields can go out there and throw three touchdowns and, and post a 120-plus a QBR against the Clemson defense? Is he that yeah. proven to you? Can he do that? 
He can do that. Yeah, I, I don't believe that. I, I don't believe that. He has he, he okay. did such a poor job against Penn State, and all he's he's been a system quarterback this year. And he, like I said, he has things, no. Go ahead. The only uh, no, I understand what you're saying. He's a system quarterback. That's all you need to win. Tom Brady is a system quarterback, but he has six Super Bowl rings. So this the system thing just doesn't make sense. He yes, Justin Fields fumbled the ball twice. The, he and uh, like he had some bad deep balls. Like he, he just it wasn't pretty like in the passing game completely. But he missed six passes. He ran the ball for I believe closer to seventy yards. Um, he just did everything they needed to do. Ryan Day does everything. He gets Justin Fields involved when he needs to. Right now, this offense revolves around J.K. Dobbins. I'm not saying that Justin Fields is better than um, that. He's better than uh, Trevor Lawrence, but you have to give him credit. He has a lot. He he has wor- uh, talent. I wouldn't say a bunch worse, but they're not as good as Clemson's receivers. Uh, but he still ma- he he's thrown one interception all season. Um, and Trevor Lawrence has thrown a bunch more. And, of course, that came in towards the beginning part of the season. But Justin Fields hasn't gotten playing time at all until last year. and Or he didn't get a bunch of play time last year when a bunch of people thought he deserved it. And, of course, he a lot of people questioned his decision-making when he was throwing the ball. And now it's he's thrown one interception, and he, he has the number two QBR in the country. While Trevor Lawrence is, I know, I can guarantee you it's not the second best in the country, or it's not the first or the second tied for second best in the country. Oh, it's definitely and, not. It's definitely yeah. Not. No, it's not. And but, but before, I, you move on, I under- before you move on, before you move on, now, we, all, we, we both know Brady is playing like shit right now, okay? Brady is not playing like Tom Brady is right now, okay? We, we both know that. So, yes, but then when it comes to off playoffs, topic, but yes. it's off topic, but it's kind of like an analogy. In the playoffs... Would you would you sit here and tell me that since Brady's not playing well, you still wouldn't take him to beat the Chiefs or the Ravens? I mean, in the playoffs, Brady's a different story. No, I know, and that's that's what I'm trying to say. It doesn't the system quarterback thing that where you said that it doesn't matter if you're a system quarterback. You're still work, you obviously work in that system. Some people even say Joe Burrow's a system quarterback because they run an RPO offense, and that's his bread and butter. And if you put him in a different offense, if you put him in a pro-style offense, that doesn't fit him. So the system quarterback, you need to be in the right system to be a good quarterback. And, like, obviously Justin Fields, is. we agreed upon this a few weeks ago, that he was born to be the quarterback of that offense. And no, Ohio State is not should not be in the top two. They have every right to be. They haven't even been in a situation like Clemson was a few weeks ago. I understand that was a, it was a while ago against North Carolina where it was a very close game and it came down to the wire. But Ohio State hasn't even been in a some situation remotely close to that. So I just don't understand your – I still – But that's my I, point. They've faced absolutely no adversity. Justin Fields has absolutely no experience in the spotlight. I mean, Trevor Lawrence went in into Santa Clara last year and beat the living shit out of Alabama last year, a team that ever, everyone regarded as the greatest team to ever play the game of college football. Everyone thought that that Alabama offense was the greatest offense to ever step on the field. That Clemson defense held him to 16 points. That Clemson offense scored 44 points. And, and everyone wrote Clemson off. Nobody thought Clemson had a chance until maybe a day before the game. They're like, maybe Clemson can pull it off. I mean, they had a great win against Notre Dame. 
everyone wrote Clemson off because they didn't play anybody. So, no, I, I, I've learned my lesson. They literally, Trevor Lawrence has been in the spotlight. He did it as a true freshman. He, he made all the throws. He can make all the throws. He has it. He has that clutch gene. Just all I'm saying is I can sit here and be so wrong, and I will be okay with that. But I, I, I can't sit here and tell myself that Ohio State is such a great team as they're led by a quarterback who's a sophomore. He really should be a redshirt freshman. He didn't play last year. But, I mean, he got thrown in. I mean, Kirby Smart, shame on him for burning his year, year of eligibility. But w- without further ado, I just can't sit here and say that Ohio State is the best team in the nation or the second best team in the nation over a, a team that has a quarterback who's proven himself against one, a team that everyone regarded as one of the best teams, uh, best offenses and a mediocre de- or a top 20 defense, one of the best teams to ever play the game. He beat them 44 to 16. He, he single-handedly had a QBR one, uh, above 140. And so I can't sit here and say that Justin Fields is, is going to outplay Trevor Lawrence, is going to outplay a Clemson team, can play in the spotlight. He's going to throw for five touchdowns. Now I'll sit here and tell you Joe Burrow's going to do it because Joe Burrow's done it three times this year. Joe Burrow's had the spotlight in a top 10 matchup, and he's done it three times this year. Now, if Joe Burrow's in the situation uh, that uh, Justin Fields is in, and, you know, he hadn't played anybody, and he's, you know, he's thrown for 400 yards and four touchdowns, I'd be like, well, Joe Burrow hasn't played any serious defense. All I'm saying is Justin Fields is not proven. Now, Justin Fields could come out against Minnesota and toss seven touchdowns and 550 yards. Yep. Like, okay, this guy can, can play. Again, I, I know you want to harp on Justin Fields, but let me tell you, this Ohio State, <clears throat> excuse me, this Ohio State offense does not revolve around him. He threw 22 passes. J.K. Dobbins had 36 carries. He is obviously the go-to. Ryan Day understands that. He understands that Justin Fields isn't proven. But that doesn't mean Justin Fields can't, like, play well in the big spotlight. We're going to see that next week. We are going to see that when he goes to the big house. He's going to have to play well. It's not like he can just kind of let this happen again where J.K. Dobbins balls out. It's not going to be like that. Justin Fields has to play well this week, and he didn't play bad this past week. He had two fumbles that were ugly, but he also had two touchdown passes. And like, <clears throat> and other than that, he played really well. Like, there's if you take like I said before, and I'll continue to say it, the only team that right now that can beat Ohio State is themselves, and they almost did on Saturday with those three fumbles. And you, you can call me crazy, whatever you want to. Oh, I but understand. You're going with every analyst opinion, right? Every analyst sit here. If I was a betting man, I'd tell you that Ohio State's better than Clemson. But I'm kind of you got to, but you understand where I'm coming from. I'm just I'm all about proving. And right now, I'm not taking I'm not taking Tua over Trevor Lawrence. I'm not taking I'm I the only quarterback I'm taking over Trevor Lawrence right now is Joe Burrow, and that's because Joe Burrow has beaten three top ten teams this year and has played phenomenal. He's winning the Heisman, no question. But Trevor okay. Lawrence has yeah, absolutely in the past. That's that's the only problem. Now, if Justin Fields had played a Wisconsin team that was like undefeated and like number one in the nation, was scoring fifty points and like allowing literally negative two points a game, and then he comes out and throws four hundred fifty yards and five touchdowns. I'm like, okay, this guy's proven. He's balling. He you know he's doing, but he didn't he didn't come out and and showcase. He's not a Lamar Jackson. He didn't come out and you know just light up a highlight real player. He just kind of did his job. And so what, it, what comes down in my mind is when the game is on the line, when, it, when, when shit hits the fan, can you count on him? And I can count on Trevor Lawrence. I can count on Joe Burrow. Hell, I can count on a, a Tua Tagovailoa in a wheelchair over an unproven kid. Yet. Now, junior year, that might be a different story. 
He's going to have his under spell, but that that's that's next year. But right now, he's just not proven. He he, you can't say he's not proven. He has a top ten win under his belt. He <clears throat> he's not completely unproven. And we have talked about this for way too damn long. And like Gabe, you have to respect Justin Fields. And I, you can't say he's not a top, he's a top ten quarterback in the country. Do you agree? Yeah, easily. Okay, so you can't say he's not proven. You cannot say that because he has a top ten win now, and against he, Penn State did, though, who who is who is not exceptional offensively. He but that, I mean, but that doesn't matter offensively. He okay, faced a, a really a Joe good Burrow, defense. A Joe Burrow, okay, Joe Burrow's top ten wins are against us, you guys, and Alabama, and then you throw Penn State in that equation. That is not even on the same level, dude. I mean, shit, us. That was a way better top ten matchup. And we can't score offensively. And he still played phenomenal in that game. And so a Penn State top 10 victory is not, that's not, that's, Penn State was not a top 10 team in the nation. I mean, you can't say they are right now just because, you know, hell, Florida's ranked 12th, but I still think that they're top, top eight right now, honestly. But they're ranked 12th because they have two losses. I think we're a top 12, top 12 team in the nation just because, but we have three losses, even though we're not very good offensively. I just think it's, the scarcity of teams this year. There are not a lot of good teams this year. There's not like a no. Of- you're no. You're right. It's a we've discussed it before. It's a fine line between true college football playoff contenders and pretenders. And yes, we agreed that Penn State is one. But you can't not give Justin Fields credit. And I have two questions before we move on. Is okay if you're talking about eye test with Ohio State and Clemson. Who has the better eye test? If you're looking at both teams top to bottom, not even looking at their schedule or strength of record, you are looking strictly at the players on their team. Who has the – when you're looking at these these team top to bottom, who's better? Clemson. Okay, and – Okay, that's fine. And a proven Um, running back who is – I still think is so underrated. Travis Etienne is is ridiculous. He is, and but it's hard to it's hard to say who is who's better between him and J.K. Dobbins. Right? And, it truly and, is. In this day and age, it's so hard to compare. I mean, Travis Etienne is a phenomenal running back. J.K. Dobbins is a phenomenal running back. They're just different players. Travis J.K. Dobbins is the guy that's going to run you over and get extra yards, bite on his mouth guard, and Travis Etienne is going to guy that's going to get you in a track race. I mean, you let him get those yeah. shots. No, he's he's, fa- he's he's probably one of the fastest running backs in the country. But you also didn't m- mention Chase Young, so that's fine. Uh, on the other hand, we I'm going to ask you a question. Who has the best strength of record between the two teams? They are both undefeated, but who has the best strength of record? Oh, come and... on. Come on. It's Ohio State. Okay, who... okay. and that, that's all, all I wanted to has is Okay, I understand that, okay? But no, like, I know, I know, and it's no, and that's what the committee and it's we can't, we can't like do anything about it. It's just for us to debate, like we just did. Well, yeah, and I'm, I mean, they're both going to get in the playoff, assuming Ohio yeah. State, or Ohio State wins out, and they're going to get in the playoff, and we'll find out. And I, I just think I'm going to sit here because we need to move on from this. We've been talking about this for 20 minutes. Oh, but but before uh, we close it out, I just personally think that Clemson's going to beat Ohio State. I think that they're more proven, and I can be dead wrong. I could be dead wrong. And you think Ohio State is going to beat Clemson, or you think they're a better team than Clemson, more proven, which they are. They're more proven than Clemson. I just think Clemson has a more proven quarterback and a more proven team because of their recent success in the previous years and their coaching staff. And uh, Ohio State does have a great coaching staff, but Brett Venables, Dabo Sweeney, 
and uh, their offense has gotten better, and they have so much talent. I'd just be a fool to kind of write them off after what they did last year because they did return a lot of players, so they're not going to pull Jake Fromm's, like, their whole roster. That's my only problem, and I, I completely understand what you're saying, and it's good that we're, we're debating this because because our previous podcast, no, we haven't had a debate like this at all, and I think this is awesome because you're thinking that Ohio State has a quarterback or it has an offense that has a quarterback that fits the system, has an awesome running game, has a good receiving core that's underrated, which I still think they're underrated. They have a phenomenal defense. And um, it's just, I know, I know they're more proven than Clemson. What it comes down to me is just because Clemson has more success in the past and they're firing at all cylinders right now. And the only reason they're not getting recognition is because they haven't played anybody because the ACC is a terrible conference. That's all it really comes down to. And it, it just goes back to what their team was last year. The same situation. It was the same thing last year. Their team last year was not recognized as a great uh, powerhouse team in, in college football because they hadn't played anybody. They hadn't. They hadn't played a. Uh, I don't know in LSU. They didn't play anybody. The best team they played last year. I mean, they played Pitt in the ACC championship. The best they team they played was yeah, Notre Dame up to Pitt, Alabama. Pitt was Pitt was seven and five going into yeah. that game, and no, and that's why it's hard to judge Clemson because. Uh, they're not like a team like Ohio State where you look at Ohio State and you think, oh, yeah, they obviously play Penn State and Michigan every year, who's usually going to be ranked in the top 25 unless it's a very bad year for those programs. And for Alabama or LSU, it's like, oh, yeah, they they probably play a good SEC East team uh, or they play – and, of course, they play each other and then they play Auburn as well. So, yeah, it's – for the and for the ACC, you're like, hmm, Clemson plays – Oh, I don't know who they play, actually. Oh, yeah, they play Florida State, and you're like, oh, wait, Florida State's been irrelevant for the past three years. So it, it's hard to judge a team like Clemson, and we're, we're not going to – all of our predictions could be wrong, and we're going to yeah. find out very, very soon in the college football playoff, assuming they don't lose in the ACC championship and against South Carolina this week. But they have, they have a – a strength of record that is very poor compared to other pro- programs where these other schools in uh, the other power five conferences have amazing strength of records. And that's, and that's what just absolutely like, is it, it's just a huge question mark with Clemson and we're never going to r- truly figure it out, figure that team out until they play a true uh, opponent. And uh, until the ACC gets back on its feet, because right now it's at rock bottom with one good team. Yeah. Um, well, that moves on to our next game and our last game from this previous week and moving into week 14 or rivalry weekend. Uh, it was Oregon and Arizona State, and we all know that Oregon lost 28 to 31. Or if you didn't know, they lost 20, 28 to 31. And um, Arizona State uh, was, was up this entire game. Oregon made a comeback in the fourth quarter. And then when the game was at 24 to 21, uh, Jaden Daniels dropped back and hit his receiver down the sideline for a, what was it, 75 yard touchdown, first play, I believe. And um, they went up 31-21. Oregon scored, uh, failed on an onside kick, and Arizona State, uh, you know, went into victory formation, won this ball game. And so, uh, my first question to you is: How big, or how how significant was Jaden Daniels' performance in a game that of this magnitude? That a game that nobody saw Arizona State winning. A game we didn't even talk about last week. And I know we talked about it uh, how we should have put it on last week, and we just didn't. We didn't have the time and. Uh, we didn't really see the point. We thought Arizona State had fallen off, which they had. They definitely fell off. Uh, but how big do you think his, perform- his performance was, like I said, in a game that nobody thought Arizona State had a chance to win? Yeah, I mean, Jaden 
balled out. He went 22 for 32 and 408 yards and three touchdowns. I don't think he really runs the ball that much. I didn't really check his run, rushing game stats, but obviously he just balled out in the passing game. And, I mean, obviously it was huge. He He's the real deal. And he's just a freshman, true freshman, so – He's gonna have he's gonna have even bigger years. So, I mean, just to come and stuff. So, I'm really excited to see what he does. And just this weekend, I mean, he absolutely torched an Oregon defense who people like myself had absolutely hyped up. I really believed that Oregon was a top five team in the country. I thought they were top four. I thought they were ahead of Georgia, and they're clearly not. And it's just because of the quarterback play with Justin Herbert. Yeah, um, I'm definitely with you. I think, you know, I talked about him earlier this year, uh, how he'd been playing so well as a freshman, against, especially against Washington State. Uh, he, he played with or uh, maybe outplayed uh, Anthony Gordon at Washington State, who I think I, I, no one talks about him. I think he's the best quarterback in the Pac-12, personally. I really do. Um, he's just – I think he's a great – he'll be an NFL quarterback, I think, or he should be. Um, and he played with him. And this kid was a freshman, okay, um, so, I mean, it just goes to show that this kid's got so much talent. And uh, am I surprised at how he played? He stepped up? In the, no, I'm not at all. I, I've talked about it before. And, you know, I know we've both talked about it. Uh, I told you how um, I literally mentioned how well he played against Washington State. So he's just played well a year. He's had his ups. He's had his downs. And, um, but his ups are way greater than his downs. And his performances that he's had in big games just, like, outnumber the bad games. And he's only a freshman. So, like I said, am I surprised? Not at all. Not, not, not even close. And um, I'm happy to see him do well. Um, you know, like you, like you saw him, he's got ice in his veins, and he really does. The, the kid just – that was a Johnny Menzel moment right there. Uh, was it in the Pac-12? Yeah, it was in the Pac-12. It was on ABC, but it wasn't, you know, SEC, CBS or anything. <laughs> but um, the magnitude of the game, it was serious. I mean, he literally just killed Oregon's uh, chances by himself. And um, – you know, the beginning of the year, he had to rely on, you know, Benjamin. And uh, he still had a big game, but this game really fell in the hands of how Jaden Daniels played, and um, he played awesome. And uh, I don't really see much else to that. It killed Oregon's playoff chances, and uh, so we're going to see how Oregon performs in the Pac-12 championship, assuming that they play Utah. And um, I personally don't think that they have a chance. I don't know about you. I think Utah is going to roll over Oregon by, like, 14. Um, but is there anything else you want to add to this game and, you know, Oregon in the Pac-12 championship? Uh, yeah, actually, I mean, just another thing, Justin Herbert, the two games that he's been in the, in the spotlight, he absolutely just shit the bed. He played poorly uh, against Auburn in the first game of the season, which really just like killed their playoff hopes right away, but it gave them time to recover after that loss. He choked at the end and all he had to do is make a couple throws and they probably win that game. Let's be honest. And um, here, the, he, he's the one who dug the hole for Oregon. He threw two interceptions. They were horrible reads and absolutely just ruined it. So, like, absolutely ruined their, their game and their mojo. So, it, and it put Arizona State in perfect position to score. So, absolutely, I think he's the reason that they lost. And once he leaves, I think Oregon might actually be able to perform well. So, um offensively in the in the spotlight because I think it's going to be really bad in the Pac-12 championship because it's going to be another game where they're in the spotlight and because it's I'm, I believe it will be on a, the Friday night before all the big games 
And that's everyone knows that everyone now knows that if Justin Herbert and that offense is in the spotlight, they tend to underperform like they have in these big games with Arizona State, who is probably a mediocre team, and Alabama or not Alabama, Auburn, excuse me. And um, they really have to figure something out because you can't be choking, you can't choke on a huge on a huge stage when your team is trying to get to the college football playoff and. He he just has time and time and time again. He's proved that he is not ready for the next level, and he is just he, he, the hype around him is just ridiculous to me. Yeah, and um, I'm with you there, and I, I think that's a good close to this week 13, and uh, that moves on to our week 14, and so our first game of a huge slate of rivalry weekend uh, games, and um, the first game is Virginia Tech at Virginia. And uh, I want to know who you think is going to win this game and why. Uh, yeah, so I have um, Virginia Tech winning this, actually, 28-27, to 27, assuming that it gets to be that high of a score because, I mean, Virginia Tech has, had, has posted two straight shutouts. shutouts and, I mean, like, they're uh, – what's – I can't believe – I can't believe – I just totally blanked on his name. I think his name is Hendon Hooker. For the for uh, the Hokies, he's changed his offense since he stepped in at quarterback, and he's just finally put them in the right direction. He only has ten touchdowns passing, but I mean, assume, like they have just absolutely played like at a super high level. And the games that they've lost this season, if you go back and replay their season, they could absolutely be undefeated right now. They lost to a Duke team who has fallen apart. And they hadn't – They Virginia Tech had gotten blown out. So, like, it's just like you look at these games and you see Virginia Tech is now 8-3 and, and has a chance to go to the ACC championship. And if, the, if they do beat Virginia this weekend, they will go. So, it's like I just don't understand some of these losses that they have on their schedule, including Notre Dame, where they probably should have won that game. And – I don't know. It's just going to be really interesting to see between the quarterbacks with Bryce Perkins on the other hand, who's leading the the Cavaliers in rushing and passing. So it's going to be very interesting. But overall, I'm going to take Virginia Tech because they're absolutely hot right now. And with Virginia, we just don't know which team's going to show up. They've been very inconsistent this season. Yeah, I'm with you there. And um, Virginia's coming off of a win two weeks ago. Uh, over a Georgia Tech team who's a, a dumpster fire um, in the ACC, and they only beat them by five points. And this Virginia Tech team is coming off back-to-back shutouts against Wake, or excuse me, against Georgia Tech and Pitt, uh, a Pitt team that is a serious contender in the uh, ACC Coastal. So, with that said, um, and, you know their their previous loss was to Notre Dame by one point. So, I think this Virginia Tech is just too well-rounded compared to a Virginia team that's. Uh, not proven, hasn't played a team like Notre Dame, hasn't got a, a very good experience, and only beat a G- Georgia Tech team by five points. And I don't really see this one being close uh, at all. I think Virginia Tech takes this one 31-14. And um, to our next game is Cincinnati at Memphis. And so Cincinnati has clinched the American East, and Memphis will co- uh, clinch the American West, so they could honestly just meet again in another week. So this could be the first of a quote-unquote doubleheader. So, um, like I said, since he has clinched the American East, Memphis has clinched the American West, or will clinch the American West with a win or a Navy loss versus Houston, which is probably unlikely. 
So um, who do you think is going to win this game and why? Uh, I got Memphis. They're just putting up way too many points, where Cincy has put up 35 combined in their past two games. I mentioned that earlier. But, I mean, Memphis is literally putting up 42 points per game, and Cincinnati is struggling against teams like USF. And, you know, conference like the American, you have – it's a pretty fine line between teams who who can compete with, like, big-time teams and then – or with Power 5 teams – and you have teams who just can't. And where I, I really like what Cincinnati with Cincinnati and uh, what Luke Fickle has done there, but Mike Norvell is just so likable. And the way, the way he's running things, I mean, they're putting up 500-plus uh, yards per game, and it's just ridiculous to see how they're just running up the scoreboard on some teams. And I think it's going to continue here. I don't think it's going to be an bl- absolute blowout, but I don't see – since he since he's offense really keeping pace with Memphis, I got uh, the Tigers thirty four to twenty one. Yeah, I'm I'm right along there with you. Uh, Memphis has has been able to just blow teams out, or not blow teams out, but uh, some teams. But they have been able to score a lot of points, fifty plus points. You know, 45, 48, 51, whatever. And uh, Cincinnati has been able to uh, barely been able to crack over twenty. So. Um, I think you take that into consideration. I just don't think since he's going to be able to compete with them offensively, I think their defense is going to have to play a lot of snaps. Uh, their defense probably can't even stop Memphis's defense or offense to begin with, and then add on the you know the fatigue from going three and out or you know not having successful drives. I mean, Memphis, there's a chance they're going to score sixty points. Um, assuming that they play the full four quarters, you know, if they play a full four quarters, I think they could score sixty six points. Um, but. I don't think they will. I think it'll be like 54 to 28. I, I don't see this game being close, uh, just like the Virginia Tech game. Um, I, you know, then again, you know, since he come out and play well defensively, um, but I just think Mike Norvell's offense is just too good. Uh, he's done it for multiple years. And so, um, yeah, and, that, you know, that moves us on to Wisconsin at Minnesota. Wait, wait hold, hold on just one second. But, like, I mean, we both predict that Memphis wins. And if if Memphis does win, then there, this is literally going to be a rematch in the Liberty Bowl. Uh, Cincinnati's going to go back to Memphis, and then they're going to rematch because uh, both teams would have clinched after this game. Can, yeah. Like, go ahead. Wait, which uh, Memphis, I think if, you know, they win back-to-back, they, I mean, honestly, they should get a New Year's Six and – they could no, they possibly play they, basically the winner of the winner of the American Athletic Bowl or, or the the championship of the American Athletic Conference, excuse me, uh, will probably is going to go to the Cotton Bowl, and a lot of people are predicting that Florida is going to end up meeting Memphis, and if Cincinnati wins, then it'll probably be Florida and uh, Cincinnati in the Cotton Bowl. So right now that's the prediction, but uh, we're just going to have to see. Yeah, I mean, the only way that could change is if, you know, Memphis, like, loses or something. Or, you know, excuse me, Memphis wins, and then Cincinnati and then beats lose. them next week. Yeah, and exactly. Both two exactly. Losses. That's the only way, which probably would be highly unlikely. Which um, would we've seen, make we've seen crazier Boise shit in college State. football. Man, so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is college football, so anything can happen. And with if that were to happen, it would probably be Boise State or App State in the uh, – which would end up the, as one of the teams or as one of the group of five schools that would end up in the Cotton Bowl. Yeah, so that moves us on to our next game. And it's Wisconsin traveling to Minneapolis to play Minnesota in the winter of this, decides the Big Ten West. Uh, presumably we'll play Ohio State. Um, so this is bigger because uh, 
Wisconsin will get a rematch against Ohio State. Uh, Minnesota is trying to keep the playoff hopes alive, assuming they win this week. They get to play Ohio State next week. And um, assuming that they win, they'll play Ohio State next week. And if they beat Ohio State, they, they definitely secure a spot in the playoff. Uh, it's extremely unlikely that the chances of that are like the chances of like a, a meteor hitting my closet right now. So, um, but um, maybe, maybe a little a little greater chances than that. But uh, without further ado, uh, who do you have winning this game and why? I got uh, the Wisconsin Badgers, 27 to 21. I just, I really like Jonathan Taylor to have a huge day in this game, in this game. Like, or uh, in uh, Minneapolis on Saturday. I just, I really do. And I know college game day is going to be in Minnesota and stuff, but I just don't see it happening. I mean, Wisconsin is a very similar team to how Iowa runs. And if Iowa was able to pull this, pull it off against Minnesota, I really think Wisconsin can too, because they've got, like I said, they got Jonathan Taylor and then they have Jack Cohn, who is a living, breathing system quarterback who literally just hands the ball off. And if he needs to, he will pass the ball. And that's all they're going to have to do to beat this Minnesota team. And nothing against what P.J. Flex has done here. I think he's done a phenomenal job at Minnesota. I just really feel like Wisconsin's going to get this one done. Yeah, so um, I just – I definitely get where you're coming from, and I want to say Wisconsin's going to win this game, but – I just don't think it's going to happen, strictly because, literally because of Kurt Herbstreit, Lee Corso, Reese Davis, and Desmond Howard. Because game day is going there, I just think the atmosphere is going to be too great. Uh, you saw the atmosphere against Penn State. It's, it's going to be nuts. So I just, I just don't – it's going to be too loud. And Wisconsin's, you know, 2-2 two and two on the year on the road, and one of the road losses coming against Ohio State and Illinois. So um, – but then again, I get where you're coming from, Jonathan Taylor. He's he's rushed for over 100 yards in all games, but two this year, and those two lo- those two games were Michigan State and Ohio State. So uh, Ohio State, no question, that was that was completely understandable. So Minnesota is not going to stop him, and it just really comes down to their offense and uh, the ability to capitalize on the opportunities, forcing three and outs for Wisconsin, and capitalizing on those opportunities. So this week's going to be you know be a big question. Um, Minnesota could win this game 31 to 10 and, you know, have some confidence. Th- this is big for confidence as well for Minnesota. If they can, you know, play well, they'll have a lot of confidence going to the big 10 championship and, uh, to play Ohio state. But, um, that moves on to our third, uh, our, our third to last game, uh, Oklahoma at Ohio- Oklahoma state. And I'm just going to come out and say it. I-, I just don't think Oklahoma state really has a chance to win this game strictly because they have a hurt quarterback. Their best receiver towards ACL, and Chuba Hubbard can't take on Oklahoma all by himself. Uh, Oklahoma would have to turn over the ball five, six times for really Oklahoma State to like win this game. Uh, and Oklahoma State would have to come out and you know pull an Iowa versus Ohio State 2017. You know, so um, do I think it's gonna happen? No, I, I got Oklahoma by 17 points, and uh, they're gonna you know solidify their spot in the. They've already solidified their spot to the Big 12 championship. And uh, this is going to carry on and um, possibly help them, you know, beat Baylor, you know, with the momentum and the confidence. So, um, yeah, I don't see this one really even being a contest, maybe from the start of the game. So, uh, but what about you? No, I'm with you there. And it's just like it's strictly because Spencer Sanders and Tylen Wallace are hurt. I mean, with uh, I think both of them have knee injuries. I could be wrong. But, no, I also have Oklahoma winning by uh, 17, 34 to 17. And uh, Chuba Hubbard, like you said, just can't take the load. And no one's really giving him that much credit. I really hope he gets invited to New York. Uh, 
is eight, he is eight uh, one thousand eight hundred thirty two rushing yards and twenty touchdowns carrying the ball. So, like he just he has to be invited to uh, he has to be invited. He to won't though. New York, but he yeah, though. he won't, and it's and it's upsetting. But like he it's, absolutely it's should. Sad. It really is. It's tragic because like that 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 is a ridiculous kind of year like that he's having, and it's it's crazy to see that he's actually not going to get invited. But um, yeah, and like you, I, I thought it was interesting that you said like this one won't be close. I feel like it'll just be close because I just trust Mike Gundy to keep it a close game and where he could possibly put his team in the best position to win. And I also, I it'll be close for a while. But another reason is that this Oklahoma team hasn't really shown us to, too much where they can just absolutely blow by teams as of late where they've been in games that have gone down to the wire, which has really killed their playoff case. But then that's why I think it's going to be another close one here. I don't think it'll be too close. I think Oklahoma pulls away in the fourth quarter, and you're going to see a final score of 34-17. to 17. So um, that moves us on to Alabama going into Jordan-Hare and playing my Auburn Tigers. Um, I'm not going to comment on this game, um, so uh, I just want to know who you think is going to win this game and why, and where they may go. <laughs> uh, yeah, I got Alabama, 24-17. to 17. It was honestly kind of hard. Like, I know I talked to you before, like, the podcast and before you started recording. Like, I didn't – I you know I seriously didn't know who to pick. Um, but I'm going to go with Alabama. I just feel like – it. I feel like Auburn's defense is definitely good enough. It's going to I feel like it's going to be similar to the way the or the Georgia game was with Auburn. And I don't I just say that because of um Mac Jones and I feel like what they're doing with him is changing the offense extremely and they're giving him plays where it's like screen passes, simple stuff where he can build his confidence and stuff. I just don't think that's going to turn into a bunch of points for the Auburn uh, or for the Alabama Crimson Tide. Uh, but I do find, I do see them winning the game. I don't think Bo Nix is going to be able to score enough points. Although this Alabama defense is very bad, we have seen Bo Nix struggle against another bad defense with, uh, with um, LSU. And he just, and this Alabama defense is basically the same. And, we're going to see the same thing happen where it's a good it, – it'll absolutely be a great game, but I just don't see Bonex putting up enough points where they can beat the Crimson Tide. This offense, even without Tua, is just that lethal where they'll be able to put up enough points to get this game going. And Nick Saban's just – like I said earlier, he's going to have his guys ready. No, don't even question it because he understands the reality that his team can still make the college football playoff. If they didn't have a chance at winning, getting to the college football playoff, I truly believe Auburn would win this game. But now that it's becoming more and more of a reality where a Mac Jones-led Alabama team can make it, I think he's going to have his guys ready. Yep, so um, I'm not going to comment on that. Uh, War Dam Eagle. Um, so hope my boys play great this weekend. And, um, yes, yeah, so that moves us on to our last game. Ohio State is traveling to Ann Arbor. Um, to play Michigan, and uh, I want to know who you think is going to win and why, and um, yeah. Um, well, I mean, it's for a lot of the same reasons that we talked about before with Ohio State. They're just, in my opinion, they're just the most complete team in the country uh, from top to bottom. I mean, 
they have Chase Young, and that might help a little bit. They're, I just don't think there's anyone in college football that can actually block him successfully. He's having a monster season. He He's the best player in the country, but he won't get the – the um he'll get an invite to new york but i don't think he'll be able to win the actual trophy um he's an absolute stud but i think that ohio state gets it done for multiple reasons i think this is it's going to be very tough so this is the first time justin fields has been in a tough atmosphere outside of uh ohio state or outside of columbus if you don't want to unless you want to include um nebraska where it was actually an electric crowd but obviously that the team itself was not electric. <laughs> that <laughs> um, Ohio State's going to have – they're going to have their hands full. Michigan's playing its best ball all year. Um, I just don't – Probably the I, best I ball know. we've seen in, like, I don't know, since yeah. Harbaugh's gotten there. This is the best Michigan team I've seen since he's gotten there. This team is ridiculous. Yeah, I I can agree with you to an extent. Maybe in 2007 or 2016 it might have been better. Offensively. No, about. you're right. You're this right. Offense playing... is scoring at ease. They're not, you know, they're not having struggle. They're not struggling. They're not playing teams, and they're like, oh well, I wonder how we'll fare against. I feel like this team is confident, and they're like, we're, you know, we're gonna play well against Ohio State, but but continue. You know, I, I got my my segment coming up soon. Yeah, and no, it's just like with Ohio State playing at a high level. I just feel like Ryan Day is another one of those coaches who is just. He will not stop. Like he's he's gonna be on that level pretty soon here, where he's gonna be considered a top coach in the country if he's not already. And I understand that he's gotten a lot of talent from Urban Meyer, but I mean he was there for all that. And when he had to step up as a head coach, he did a great job. And I think he's gonna do a great job this Saturday. And I think it's gonna be ridiculously close. I think. Um, I think both guys are gonna, both quarterbacks, Justin Fields and Shea Patterson, are gonna make some mix, make some mistakes and make some great plays. But ultimately, I think it's gonna be really close. Just considering Jim Harbaugh is gonna have his guys ready to go, and so is Ryan Day. And it's as simple as that. It's gonna you're gonna have two great coaches with two great teams and such a historic rivalry ready to go. And especially after an embarrassing loss that Michigan took last year, I think those guys are gonna be ready to roll. And but that's just not going to be enough to me. And I just truly believe that Ohio State's a better team from top to bottom. I think they've been more consistent all season. And I just – I don't know how Michigan can outright win this game. I think they'll be able to keep it close, but they're going to need everything to go their way in order to win this game. Yeah, so um, if you haven't picked up already, I'm picking Michigan to win this game. And you might claim that it's because of some bias, and I do not like Ohio State, and I will shoot you straight. And I, it just coming out of my mouth, it just sounds like such bias. But um, I just really, really, I don't know why, I just feel like there's going to be an upset this week. And it's going to fall in this game. I think it's going to be this week. I think Michigan's going to be Ohio State because of just the confidence that they built up. And I think every game that they've played has been building up to playing Ohio State. I think that they've thought in their heads, we can't play in the playoff. We can't make it anymore. We, you know, we screwed the pooch. But going into this game, this is the game they've been working for here. This is their national championship right here. They want to beat Ohio State. And this game right here could arguably be Jim Harbaugh's greatest game at Michigan. He can beat Ohio State because he hasn't beaten him yet. He hasn't done anything worth noting, really, besides winning, you know, the, the Citrus Bowl. So, I mean, really, this, this game, like I said, is it means a lot more to Michigan than it does to Ohio State. 
And Justin Fields got hurt last week. And like I said, I still don't – I'm not a huge believer on how great that offense was. And I don't think they're going to score 50 points on Michigan. I think Michigan's offense is going to play very well because they're firing all cylinders right now. And um, Ohio State could realistically, you know, win this game. It's going to be close. I just think that the home field advantage and the momentum and the consistency that uh, and, and the health that Michigan has right now, um, that, it, yes, that is referring to Justin Fields not being healthy with his ankle. Um, it, it just – I think Michigan's going to win this game by three points. I'm taking them 27-24. In Ann Arbor, yes, I think Ohio State's going to win the Big Ten. They're still going to get in the playoff as a four or three seed, whatever. Who cares? They're still going to be in. Uh, there's no reason they shouldn't be in. I just think this is just a game they're going to lose. Um, just like, you know, like a, um, a college basketball team who might go undefeated all year and lose in the SEC championship tournament, whatever. Like, you, you know what I mean? They're mm-hmm. just going to lose a casual game. I don't really think it, it means anything they're going to lose, and I don't think they really care. Uh, but I think it means a lot more to Michigan than it does to Ohio State. So, and I just think that's what it comes down to, honestly. And um, B.O., without further ado, um, I'm going to have to get a shirt that says without further ado because I love saying that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> or get it tattooed on my arm or something, whatever. Just look at it and be like re- ready to go. But, yes, without further ado, uh, that is concluding. Uh, that is the conclusion. Uh, now we are at the conclusion of our podcast, um, a fantastic podcast and um, a great debate. This is the longest podcast we've shot by a minute. Uh, or by, by like a long shot and um, I mean this is awesome this is so much fun and you know 29 minutes from now I get to go watch my team play in New Mexico they're playing in Brooklyn tonight so uh, more damn eagle we're playing in the uh, I don't know what the, the tournament is like the new classics classic or whatever I don't know it's 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 weird um, but I think if we win we get to play Wisconsin or Wisconsin and Richmond so um, I'm excited and um, I'm definitely ready to move on from football season for Auburn as a whole uh, this season, I mean, I just there's been so many games where I've been so close to having a stroke, seriously. So, um, but yeah, I yeah, mean, this is an awesome podcast, and I, I had so much fun doing it, man. Yeah, and I mean, like, like you said, it's been a it, it's been a tough year for a bunch of fan bases, but as like college football fans as a whole, for the entire country, like it's just like so much fun to watch, and it's just like it's just crazy, it's just pandemonium every single week it's it's a madhouse it's nuts anything can happen so that's and that's what the sport lives on like upsets like the Oregon uh, game this past weekend that's what we live and breathe on as college football fans so um yeah and um make sure to check out never settle sports I know we mentioned it last week and if you're listening and if you've listened through this whole podcast this week it's been a long one and I'm sure you've gotten little sick of us yelling at each other and stuff but hey that's all love football is yeah it's all love and that's what college football is all about so make sure to go check out our website never settle sports it's a wix website and um we're just getting started you know that um we are obviously kicking it off with football college football um and we're gonna move on with more sports uh, as the year goes on and yeah and that's just make sure to sure check is. us out there. You can yeah. you can find us. You can find our blog and podcast there, and anything else you need sports related, you can go to Never Settle Sports to find it. Yep. So, uh, like he said, this is coming to the conclusion. Uh, thank you so much for joining, guys, and uh, join us next week. And for those of you wondering, the website is Never Settle Sports backslash or not backslash uh, slash Never Settle Sports. And uh, this has been Pastor and Gabe and. Uh, Enjoy your week, guys, and join us next week for an even better podcast.
So, uh, deuces, guys. Ward and Amigo, make sure you guys root for my Auburn Tigers this week. Go Gators.